0: Irish Cream Cold Brew with Cold Foam now at Tim Hortons. Or try Cold Foam on any of your Tim Hortons favorites. Modifications extra for a limited time at participating U.S. locations. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner. Really testing the limits of that phrase. The more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the iHeart Radio Network, TalkStar Radio Network. Let me see where else, Craig, are we these days. Mutual broadcast network across Europe and Asia on Euro Radio TV and on the Exxon Broadcast Network. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, exxon Radio TV. And to find out about the programming we have available for you 24-7-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Exxon Nation, my guest this hour is Cheryl Costa. Cheryl is a two-service military veteran, a retired aerospace security engineer, and she's published a writer. she's, she's a published writer and playwright. As a playwright, Cheryl, stage plays have explored the offbeat and the metaphysical. She has had a lifelong interest in the subject of UFOs. This deep interest led her to author the weekly newspaper web blog titled New York Skies for SyracuseNewTimes.com. For the past four years, she has uh, written lively accounts of the subject of historical UFO sightings in New York, UFO statistics, disclosure, and other topics. First of all, welcome to the show, Cheryl. And what was it that, that made you so interested in UFOs?
1: Well, I saw my first one when I was about 12. And uh, it was a late August afternoon and uh, about two weeks before school started. And mm-hmm. we were co- visiting a relative and we were coming down the hill from their farm in Savona, New York. And clear blue sky, 4.30 in the afternoon, and out there was a big silver ball just sitting there. Mm-hmm. And and I, I tell people, okay, you put your arm all the way out and look at your little finger. The fingernail is about the size of how big that ball was.
0: Was this your first and only sighting or have you had other sightings since then?
1: Oh, I've had plenty of other sightings since then, but that was my first one. My mother explained to me it might be a balloon, mm-hmm. might be something from the Air Force. And then she dropped the big one on me and says, might be people from another planet. And uh, she was very well read at that point, and she explained it all to me, and uh, I was fascinated. So I was – when we started driving the car again, and my father was driving the car, I was looking out the back, the rear window uh, of the car, and uh, I watched it just sitting there. And then when it, it decided – just for about another 10 minutes – and then when it decided to go, it was like boom. It was gone. It, it shot off at tremendous speed and just disappeared. And that just took my breath away. Were there and, any uh,
0: reports in the media th- about the UFO sighting that you had? No, none, none. Why do you think that is?
1: Well, it, maybe nobody reported. Remember, this was a real, r- very rural area in upstate New York where mm-hmm. we were we were seeing this. So, uh, the population of the little town we were uh, we were visiting, my aunt and uncle at, was probably only about 300. So, <laughs> it, uh, it, it could have easily been missed.
0: Did you or your, any other member of your family make a report to local authorities? No. Why not? No, we
1: did not. Um, I don't know why we never did that. Hmm. Uh, I don't know what my parents were thinking, uh, but no, there was... It wasn't that kind of thing back in those days. That, that, that it, who, did you, who were you going to call? Uh, the local newspaper or the police department, you know? Hmm. And uh, my mom chose not to do that. She's very shy. But thereafter, as we both found books in the library coming in about UFOs. Late 60s, there was a lot of, you know, this was around 65, 66 timeframe. Uh, there were a lot of cool books coming out. Uh, Frank Edwards came to our town to speak on the subject matter. You know, I, I went to go see it and uh, see him talk. I was uh, in, in uh, junior high at that time and I went to go see him talk and I thought there'd be a couple hundred people in this auditorium. The place was jammed. It was like 2,300 people in the auditorium. And um, uh, so again, that added to it. And then uh, uh, then my next sighting was in 1971, I was in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. I was in Cameron Bay, Vietnam. And it was Christmas Eve, 1971. I was going down to go to midnight mass with a friend of mine. And we were walking across the base, and where we were was out on essentially. A a Cameron Bay is a big sandbar. It's like being at Virginia Beach, you know. So, uh, a gazillion stars in the sky.
0: All right, we're yeah. going to take a break here. When we come back, more of this Christmas Eve sighting, and our guest this hour, explanation is Cheryl Costa. To find out more about Cheryl, or if you'd like to get a copy of her book that was co-written with Linda Miller Costa. The name of the book is UFO Sightings Desk Reference, and it's available on Amazon.com. This is The Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. Cheryl Costa is my guest. Uh, Cheryl, along with um, Linda Miller Costa, they've co-authored UFO Sighting Desk Reference, United States of America, 2001 to 2015, and it's available on Amazon.com. Cheryl, before we went to the break, you just started to tell us about your uh, another UFO sighting. I believe it was 1971 on the beach in Vietnam. So if you could please continue that.
1: Well, we, I, a friend of mine and I were walking over to the uh, base chapel to go to Midnight Mass mm-hmm. about 1130 at night. And I kind of glanced up into the western sky. And right there below Constellation Taurus, there was this streaking white light. And I thought, eh, it's a jet. And then it stopped and just sat there for a second. And I'm thinking to myself, Well, now what do you do? And it started darting around like a bumblebee. Mm -hmm. It stopped again and it took off like you see the starships take off in the movies. (laughs) Gone, you know? Hmm. And that just took my breath away. My friend was sitting there uh, with his jaw hanging out. He said, What did we just see? Neither one of us had our mind on Midnight Mass when we got there. But uh, that was my other, what I'm going to call confirmation sighting. Over the years, I've read a lot of books. Uh, a number of years, about 20 years ago, I had to, I was recuperating from um, some surgery, mm-hmm. and a friend of mine let me stay in his house because he was taking care of his father who had cancer. So he told me, feed the cat and stay at my house. Because at the time, I was between apartments when I got hospitalized. Right. And uh, this guy had first editions of just about all the best UFO books ever written to mm-hmm. that point and uh so place didn't have cables, so i had a lot of time on my hands so i read and i got very heavy on the topic and formed whatever opinions i had about the topic through that period of time that was about 91 time frame and that's pretty much how i got really deep into it i didn't consider myself any kind of an activist or any kind of a, a writer on the topic or anything i just considered myself a ufo bystander mm-hmm. just somebody who was interested in the topic and then uh, in 2012, I saw a newspaper article one night that got my attention, and to say it in short words got me very upset and ticked off, and I said, I'm gonna do something about this. Well, what were the words that got you ticked off? Well, it was a sidebar story. It was November 4th, uh, 2012. It was mm-hmm. a sidebar story on, on CNN.com, and it said, it simply read, the headline to it said, UFOs have been declining since the 80s. Maybe they were always just an urban legend. Mm-hmm. And the article pretty much talked to that tone. Okay. And in the back of my head, I'm sitting here saying, that doesn't sound right. And I was working for a different newspaper at that time. And we had just put the morning edition to bed and the presses were rolling. And we basically just had to sit there until they were done. And so I Googled MUFON, Mutual UFO Network, for the first time in my life. And I went there and I looked up the yearly summaries for like a 20 year period from like 1980 to 1999. Mm-hmm. And I, I dropped the numbers, real, I wrote them down on a pad, dropped them onto a, an Excel spreadsheet, and I plotted it. And the, gr- bar, the bar graph went up like a rocket. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, what memo didn't the UFOs get? You know?
0: Yeah, well, and, well you, know, you see, I, I have to wonder about the statistics from MUFON myself. Because MUFON is an organization that is geared towards ufologists and those who believe, so the accuracy or the validity of a lot of their their statistics cannot be authenticated.
1: Well, okay, let's let's go there a minute. Sure. Uh, our book was based on MUFON and National UFO Reporting Center d- raw data.
0: Okay, so that's okay, Peter so Davenport. This stuff's not yeah, vetted. Yeah. All right, but these uh, okay, but. I'd like to point out to our listeners who may not know about these two places, the National UFO Reporting Center is where you call in, you file the report yourself. Nobody validates or verifies the report. Moof on the same thing. Correct. Okay, so go on.
1: So um, I just took the raw numbers and put them in, and I saw, that, like I said, the chart went up like a rocket. Shortly thereafter, I approached a couple of the editors at the paper I was working at, mm-hmm. and uh, they laughed me out of the office. And then I went to a couple of other papers up here in upstate New York and got either thrown out of the office or, as one editor said, "What branded tinfoil do you wear?" Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, I got uh, I got an, an appointment with a, an editor at a weekly paper, the New, Syracuse New Times, and the uh, editor in chief sat down with me before i ever had a chance to show him the four or five slides i had you know right. just basically powerpoint slides with my pitch he sat there and talked to me for 45 minutes about ufos mm-hmm. he had read about all the same stuff i had so he was sympathetic to the topic matter right and uh, he said okay we'll try it. we'll try it for a month so and then he says if we don't pull any traction with page views bye and yeah. i said okay fine so i did Four or five articles, and at the end of the month, he called me up the phone, he asked me to come over. I figured, well, that's it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I said, So you're taking me off? And he says, No, 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 no. You're pulling mo- more page views than most of the com- columnists combined. Mm-hmm. So they decided to keep me, and we've just continually tried to improve the column ever since.
0: Why do you think UFOs are such a um, point of interest with a certain facet of society?
1: I don't think it's just a certain facet um a lot of people th- seem to think it's only this really tiny cult following mm-hmm. uh there was just a uh, in fact i just did a story last week on sub um, fox pictures 21st century pictures just did a i had a survey done um to sort of support the the, the uh, dvd release of their movie P- phoenix forgotten right and uh 47 of the american public uh, believes in these things yes now, but you know and, as well and,
0: as you knew you know as well as i do being in the media that that polls can be skewed any way you want them to be skewed depending on who you ask
1: oh agreed agreed now i i was appreciative of those numbers uh, for two reasons one uh the last good poll that was done was done by uh national geographic in 2012 mm-hmm. and they took they, they asked three questions for you know are you believing or interested or knowing of ufos and the ones that believe was like about 42 Mm -hmm. percent the ones that uh the ones who were on the fence was like about another 40 percent and then the 17 percent says it's baloney there's no such thing okay and that one always felt about right okay and that's kind of the numbers i quoted so when they came when fox uh pictures came out with this one it said 47 percent I was kind of optimistic. Maybe there's been some enlightenment out there. Now, but but don't but don't you think
0: that don't you think that if Fox was going to to put a poll out, it would be in favor of their film. They certainly wouldn't put out a poll that showed a negative response to the type of film that they're putting out there. That's just common sense. It's good marketing.
1: Well, oh, yeah, you'd say, say that, but the focus of their film wasn't UFOs. It was abductions during the uh, uh, fictional abductions set mm-hmm. across against the uh, setting of the Phoenix Lights yeah, well, well years that,
0: Well, that's a UFO genre. That's, you know, that's, yes. a, you know, you're talking about, you know, strawberries, blueberries and uh, cranberries. <laughs> They're all berries.
1: Yes, agreed. Well, the bottom line with all of this was that, uh, according to the poll, 53 percent and this is what I found interesting. 53 mm-hmm. percent said they, they had seen something. And, and they, I looked, went back and looked in the, into the study to see what the age range was, and over, over half was, uh, what I would to say, my age range, 55 plus. So I assumed a sighting went of about 50 years. 1967 to now. Okay, this may be when all these sightings happened, right. For that 53 million people. And if you divide 50 into that, it came back, it came back out about a million sightings a year. Mm-hmm. Well, the funny thing about that was, and two other researchers saw the similarity, mm-hmm. I came up with a very similar number with the sighting data from our book. Yeah. About a million sightings a year, mm-hmm. even though we only report 121,000. There's a uh, there's a standard theory around that only one in 10 people reports what they see. So when you crank it back against times 10,
0: it came up a little over a million. Mm -hmm. So there seems to be some consistency there in the numbers. Once again, based on based on the based on the source of the numbers.
1: Well, the source of the numbers in this particular in my book Mm -hmm. were strictly the database raw data. And I know a lot of people were upset. Well, you could you didn't invent them. I can't vet them. Well, then In how can you how can vetting. you ta- how can you take that assume, data? How can you take? I assume
0: there's a certain number of people, um, but how um, could you take that data as legitimate if it can't be vetted? No, 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 no. They're
1: all UFOs. They're all but, unidentified flying objects. But that, doesn't, like guards, that, doesn't, clouds, mean, that doesn't that doesn't mean that doesn't right? Whatever.
0: So it doesn't mean that they're all little spacecraft from God only knows where.
1: No, we only say Linda and I only probably figured. We told them in one of our analysis mm-hmm. chapters that uh, perhaps only about six percent are something very exotic,
0: very exotic. But you didn't identify them as spacecraft from another planet.
1: Uh, whatever those things are, uh, it could be spacecraft from another planet. It could be interdimensional okay. craft. Whatever these. So if we're are talking, saying, if, if, we're talking variance,
0: if we're talking a variance, if we're talking an actuality of six percent compared to uh, non-identifiable, identified, but not exotic sighting of 94%, what's the significance in the book?
1: Well, okay, there you go with the 94% noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I had a problem with that as well. The issue is is that, okay, here's a handful of pins and a big stack of, of hay, as they yeah. say, a needle in a haystack. Mm-hmm. We don't know which ones are, which one of those 121,000 are the, 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 the genuine article, as they say. Okay. So, we took the approach when we were putting the book together. These are what people say they saw. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in there is the truth. But this is the scale of – something's going on because there's smoke here, and there's, this is a very big number. And if you start looking at the percentages, it, it, there's a bigger number out there. In fact, the 121,000 number mm-hmm. suggests about 30-something specials a year. If you go back against that million number... So, wait wait a second, 30 specials,
0: okay 30, uh, 30 specials a year. I don't understand that.
1: 30 uh, close encounters of the third kind kind of events. Something very special. Exotic. Those guys coming down from the sky. Maybe. That's, that, that's what it
0: suggests. That's what it suggests, but it hasn't been vetted. It hasn't been verified. It hasn't been of, uh, authenticated either. It's speculation.
1: Well, perhaps... Perhaps for, for the researcher who's trying... No one's ever done this compiling before. This is what the this is the complaint that I had. Have you ever heard of Chris Rotowski? Everybody was always just telling stories. Have you ever Nobody heard of Chris Rotowski?
0: Have you heard about Chris Rotowski? Chris has done this analytical study before. He's with the University of Manitoba. Okay, I know who he is. You know, he's done these figures as well. Steve uh, Bassett has done these figures. Like, figures showing uh, anywhere from 96 to 98% of the naysayers compared to the 4 to 6% of those who believe those figures aren't new. What in your book is new?
1: Uh, we add, okay, okay, they've done all that. What we did was we went in and neither database had good county data. We put in the county data so we had the ability to drill down to the county and show you within a state what counties who had what sightings. Oh, well, that's interesting. And uh, that, that began showing us patterns, and uh, patterns no one had ever seen before. All right, we've uh, got to
0: take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Please stand by. Okay. ExoNation, Cheryl Costa is our guest this hour. Cheryl along with Linda Miller Costa. They're the authors of UFO Sightings Desk Reference, United States of America 2001 to 2015. It's available on Amazon.com. We'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue hearing the exome from our broadcast centre in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget, if you'd like to get the current edition of the X-Chronicles newspaper, it's available at www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com. about UFOs this hour here in the Exxon Cheryl Costa is our special guest along with her, uh, Linda Miller Costa. They're the authors of UFO Sightings Desk Reference United States of America twenty. I'm sorry, 2001 to 2015 and it's available on Amazon.com Alright, so what did you find out during the analytical study of the counties uh, based on the reports from the MUFON database and the information from the national ufo reporting center
1: well i had already done this for new york state uh during the course of writing my column Mm -hmm. and we compiled how to do this and there was some process involved we had we had to write some process because it was not just add the numbers up because there was some messiness with the way that the databases were kept So um, we wrote process for doing it. And one of the things that came out of the whole thing was we started sharing with some New York State investigators and uh, we started seeing patterns. Like, give an example. We all knew that there was a Lake Erie effect. Lots mm-hmm. of sightings out there in the Niagara Frontier, around county, Erie County, mm-hmm. Niagara County. And but what we didn't know was suddenly, when they have county data in there, suddenly we're seeing number almost equivalent numbers in Monroe County, which is essentially Rochester, New York. That general area essentially that brought up the idea. Maybe we've got a Lake Ontario effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also noted that majority, uh, 51% of the sightings in New York State followed down the uh, New York State counties that are lying the um, St. Lawrence Seaway, mm-hmm. and uh, 19% there, and then about 30%, 32%, something like that, from Lake Champlain all the way down the Hudson to the Atlantic Ocean, mm-hmm. and that was 51% of the sightings, mm-hmm. and that caught people. People always thought there was Something to do good with, you know, uh, with UFOs on in the Hudson. They were always claiming it was a hotbed of activity, but we didn't, nobody realized that it was running along
0: both of our major waterways. Let me ask you uh, when doing your analyticals, uh, analytical survey of the data uh, pertaining to Lake, uh, Lake Erie, the Niagara Frontier, as well as the Rochester area going down the Hudson into the Atlantic, did you take airport traffic into consideration and did you also take Tracon? into consideration
1: nope we just worked with the raw numbers we, we didn't have a way of vetting that um, but you didn't have a can, way of vetting the
0: raw numbers either and yet you took the raw numbers that weren't vetted
1: well we took the raw numbers but we were putting it against locations that was all we were doing we were not trying to vet the thing against victor routes or something like Why not? that we didn't
0: have the resources a what do you mean you don't have the resources all those routes are available online of course they are. So no,
1: what I'm saying is, we didn't have the time resources to sit down and analyze 121,000 records against every Victor route. Um, so th- these, these right these these reports don't have the kind of accuracy data. Frequent don't have the accuracy data that a lot of people think they've got. People think they've got latitudes, mm-hmm. longitudes, and and they're all trained observers. Probably, maybe one out of ten of these sightings has anything close to a trained observer telling you what angle it was on the horizon.
0: Or I, what ind- I understand think that. that I thing. understand that. I understand that. However, if you're going to take do an analysis on non-vetted data, how could you not include or give the reader? the information that this does not include air traffic or TRACON information. This way here, the reader would have the opportunity of saying, well, maybe it wasn't a UFO. Wait a minute. Look at this. It's it's within the air traffic control center of, let's say, uh, Pearson International Airport. We know for a fact that one of the most busiest air corridors in North America is over Lake Erie. We know that. Mm Mm-hmm. I would agree with you. Does the common person who may have an interest in UFOs, who has no idea about anything when it comes to air traffic control or, or uh, you know, uh, flight centers, TRACON, shouldn't they be aware of this, that the data could include false or not, I'm sorry, not false sightings, but sightings of commercial? We, we say that in our book.
1: We say that in the five analysis chapters. We indicate that these things can be a lot of other things. Okay, so so uh, but, but, let, me, but, let me explain what the book's objective were. We were not trying to prove that this I've had people beating me up and saying, well, "You can't prove they were they're really aliens from outer space." Mm-hmm. No, we never set out to do that. So what did you All set out we, to do? Our objective was to overcome that one statement that said that UFOs, unidentified flying objects uh-huh. have been decreasing since the 80s, and that is not the truth. They have not been
0: UFO, 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 UFO
1: sighting reports have been increasing, increasing in three waves since 19, 2001 to 2015.
0: Then let me ask you something. How, ca- how come the Canadian government disbanded anything to do with UFOs uh, on a governmental or, or, or official um, platform? Anything to do with UFOs now is channeled to a, a, a private organization.
1: I don't know. I because don't know the number about what they were because doing.
0: the number of UFOs over Canada have decreased drastically. Now, if they've decreased drastically in Canada, I'm sure the same as in, in you know can be said for the United States, Australia, Australia's UFO sightings are going down. the United Kingdom going down. You now so this is what I can't understand when you're saying that UFO sightings are up.
1: Based on the raw numbers, they've gone up from about 3,400 in 2001 up to about 11,000, 12,000
0: in the last years of the report. All right. Now, during those times, what television shows have been uh, aired that could have an influence on people no, looking okay, up and misidentifying. Not there, me, Why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? What do you mean let's oh, well, not go let, there? No, well let
1: me explain something. Somebody made that crack on me sometime back. It's
0: not a crack, it's a legitimate question and you, and mm-hmm. you as a journalist should be able to appreciate skepticism. I do. I do. So what do you okay. mean let's now, you know, When I was
1: on. being interviewed by the New York Times. Uh-huh. We did discuss this, and one right. of the things we looked at there, what there's a spike not in every, not in the national chart mm-hmm. as much as, the, as much as a couple, a uh, a handful of states had a spike. I mean, a drastic spike mm-hmm. in two thousand eight. Okay. Okay. And I ask around on that. And somebody from MUFON explained to me that there had been in 2008 a, I think, a Discovery Channel program, and they happened to mention MUFON and where you could report these mm-hmm. things. So one of the things I did was I, uh, when, were, when we were combining the database, we kept a column for the service. So if it came from MUFON, we knew which ones they were. If we came from Newfork, we knew which ones they were. Mm-hmm. And we did a plot for a couple of states, and we saw that the Newfork numbers. We're on a consistent rise going upwards on a mm-hmm. consistent tr- um, uh, uh, slope. Mm-hmm. When uh, we looked at MUFON, it was tracking right along until it hit the 2008, and then it literally jumped up 30 points and then continued tracking upwards. So, yes, media does have some effect on this.
0: How come mainstream media doesn't carry stories about UFOs? It's always the offshoot media that does.
1: I don't know. Um, I've talked to a number of editors mm-hmm. and news directors, and a lot of them, and when I tried to explain to them what we, what we, what we had done here, mm-hmm. uh, as soon as they heard the word UFO, they either hung up or or just their tone of voice changed, and then they got me off the phone. Uh, there's a lot, I've actually had one science reporter in a major paper on the West Coast say to me, oh, the whole issue of UFOs was settled years ago. And all I can think of is maybe he really bought into the Condon report back in 68, 69 timeframe. I don't know. What's interesting, though, is, is that a number of people have looked at this material mm-hmm. and said, wait a minute, you took a little bit different approach here. There's a little bit more science involved here instead of the anecdotal and, and and storytelling most of the UFO books have. All we were trying to do was put some statistics out there for people to work with. And investigators find this thing very very helpful because when you, instead of spending mm-hmm. hours on CMS at MUFON trying to find out how many, say you're an investigator. And you're going to go to a town or a county and you want to have a ballpark idea of what they've had going on in the past, suddenly here's a book here that can give you the raw accounts for both services.
0: All right. Now you say investigators. Are you talking about professional investigators or are you talking about UFO uh, researchers?
1: I'm talking about the uh, MUFON, uh, uh, principally the MUFON investigators.
0: All right, so we're talking about uh, amateur investigators, not professional investigators.
1: Amateur uh, amateur investigators. Almost everybody out there doing this is is an amateur.
0: But if if this was such a legitimate concern, don't you think that more people would be taking it seriously?
1: Well, they've been told for—there's been a policy of ridicule and denial for close to 70 years here in the United States— and it, we, a lot of people were programming in the 60s and 70s, oh, you didn't see anything because if you do say you saw something, people will – the newspaper or the television station will come out, put a camera in your face, and then make you look like an idiot on the 6 o'clock news. And and then people got that message real quick, and a lot of people don't talk about it. What I did find, though, mm-hmm. is in the course of writing my column the last four years is a lot of families are handing these – pers- ufo accounts within families they're handing them down like family heirlooms it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting um i've had a number of in, in invites to people's backyard backyard barbecue we want to introduce you to our uncle ralph who saw a foo fighter during the war our aunt sally who saw this you know and so they were willing to open up as a family and tell me what they what they knew but or were they going to pick up the phone and call the police department, or call a newspaper and talk to it? No, they didn't want that
0: level of visibility. But, you know, a lot of people in today's society will say anything for five minutes of glory. No,
1: but it's not like I was going to mention their name in the paper. I, I, I tell them all up front. Mm-hmm. My editor and I change all the names so you
0: won't get any visibility or public, public
1: accolation but why, But why, like would, you change, why the,
0: would you change the names? Doesn't that take away from the credibility of the story? No, no, we we didn't
1: want to out people. Literally, that was the, the the objective. We didn't want to out people, for one,
0: and two. It was the only way we could get a lot of people to open up and talk to us. So how do we? How do the readers know that they're actually reading something that somebody said and not something that was made up? Especially since the story can't be vetted. I can't t- I can't give you an answer
1: there. I try, uh, we try to, like when I pull stories out of the databases, mm-hmm. I keep all the data. Sometimes I have to put a little bit of story to it to explain what was going on, but the facts are always there.
0: How can you call them facts when they haven't been vetted? We don't, who has the resources
1: to vet all this?
0: Then how can you say something's a fact if you haven't verified its authenticity? No, we took the position. We're just simply reporting what people say they saw. So, if, there, if there's information in there that has been made up, that is also included in the statistical data.
1: Uh, statistically, using uh, some formulation, I think the Blue Book used, we, we, we estimated it was under 4%, probably down around 3%. Do you, in fact, we, 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 bear with me, we also looked at the, one, the, the sightings that were listed in National UFO Reporting Center very frequently, would mark ones that they thought were a hoax. And we did that measurement on that, on all the ones that came from them. And it really shook out to well under
0: 3%. Were your statistics checked by a mathematician or a professional person who does analytical statistics? No. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Exo Nation. Cheryl Costa is our guest. uh, Wait a minute. Cheryl Costa and Linda Miller Costa. They're the authors of UFO Sightings Desk Reference. And if you'd like to get a copy, Amazon.com. We'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon and wrap up this hour talking about UFOs. If you'd like to find out what's on the Exxon Broadcast Network, 24-7, 365, including Kevin Randall, A Different Perspective, and Larry Lawson, Paranormal Stakeout, visit www.xzbn.net. Costa is our special guest, along with Linda Miller-Costa. They are the authors of UFO Sighting Desk Reference, United States of America, 2001 to 2015. It's available on Amazon.com. Throughout the uh, first uh, three segments of the interview, uh, Cheryl, you've mentioned MUFON and and the uh, National UFO Reporting Center quite often. Were they part of any funding for this uh, book?
1: No, no, no. This was... Linda and I did this out of our own pocket on our own time. Are you a member of MUFON? No, I am not. In fact, I purposely am not because uh, my editor and I felt it was a conflict of interest.
0: Did they give you total access to their database?
1: I made a request to them, mm-hmm. and then uh, initially I was refused. And then uh, Linda sat down and had a long talk with them. She's got a little bit more executive skill than I do, and uh, they were able to get us the abstract we were looking for. They were afraid we were asking for confidential information. All we were looking for was what, when, and where, and uh, so they were able to give us a condensed uh, 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 file that we were able to suck into our database and clean up and everything.
0: Do you think the United States of America and other governments around the world are suppressing the truth about UFOs, and if so, why?
1: Uh, I do believe that. Uh, I do believe it for a couple of reasons. I think, okay, if you get past beyond experimental aircraft and top secret military stuff and everything, uh, I think they are. They were very smart when they started with this stuff back in the Robinson panel back in the 50s that people weren't ready for this. Mm-hmm. Okay, you got to remember back in the early 50s and like that, maybe even the 40s, everything that crawled out of some kind of a spacecraft was some kind of slimy, bug-eyed monster. These days, are, uh, our view of aliens are Mr. Spock, Doctor Who, and Luke Skywalker. You know, so it's a very different, a different uh, atmosphere now. And uh, there's apparently been a very strong education campaign to get people used to the idea.
0: So... Why do you think the governments of the world, if this phenomenon is real, and there are really little men flying around in UFOs within our airspace, why huh? do you think that they would suppress it from the public if the statistical information is right, and so many people have already seen these little things?
1: I think, um, if you, have, you, have you ever interviewed Steve Bassett?
0: Many, many, many times. Okay. You know the kind of trouble he's had with, with, with uh, people in the government. Well, I think, uh, yeah, and I you know I think that a part of that reason is is that Steve has turned ufology into a business.
1: Well, okay, if you want to say that. But th- here's the deal. My experience, I reached out to my elected officials, mm-hmm. and um, they claimed they lost the letter that I sent them with a two-and-a-half-pound book staple to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got them another copy and got them another book, mm-hmm. and um, and I have nothing but deathly silence because the subject matter has been painted with the silliness and kook rush. Could it you know also be that in today's and I, and, and society— in the government, could it also the
0: elected like the officials, they don't— Could it also be that in today's society, where there's a lot more going on in the world than just people looking in the sky for UFOs, that UFOs are not that important? That's true. I would agree. There are p- many people
1: who mm-hmm. d- want nothing to do with it. Uh, my, my sister, I gave her a copy of the book and she didn't care. You know, uh, on the other hand, my mother did. She looked at it. A lot of other people I gave a copy of the book to, they cared. But there was an awful lot of people who do not care. It's not on their radar and they're not interested because it doesn't affect how they do their job or how they go to work in the morning. So everybody's open to their own opinion. If we do really have Mm -hmm. extraterrestrials or interdimensionals visiting us, uh, there's a a certain portion of the population, if you believe one of the surveys, maybe 17 to 20 percent, that's going to be really shocked. Um, So and there's that other percentage that's 40 percent or so they say is on Mm -hmm. the fence, just needs a little bit of confirmation and disclosure. I don't think anybody in a political elected capacity wants to stick their neck out and say anything. Why not? Uh, and, uh, again, the ridicule factor. Uh, there was a, a council person down in Phoenix, Arizona that stood up for the people who were saying, we just had this massive sighting here. And uh, uh, the, the, oppos- the opposition party used that against her in the next election. She was just standing up for her constituency, mm-hmm. but everybody made a big case. Oh, it's so silly to be talking about UFOs when half the town saw it, you know, so – Um, There are people who just don't want to stick their neck uh, neck out because it's politically not uh, good for your career.
0: You know, uh, I've been doing this show for 26 years. Yes, sir. And I'll tell you something. Within the world of ufology, nothing has changed. No super new sightings. no, uh, No extraordinary alien abduction stories. The last big one was Travis Walton. Uh, you know, and, and even the what was considered at one time the mecca of ufology, Roswell, undergoing new investigative techniques and using new investigation um, protocols is proving to be false. So, so what is the public supposed to think? You know, you watch TV and all these so-called reality shows are anything but real. Hollywood puts out E.T., Close Encounters. Independence Day. What uh-huh. is the public supposed to think?
1: I don't know what they're supposed to think. Um, for years, I, I always tested this material myself in the sense that what did I weigh? And in fact, it was right up until about uh, 2012 myself that I was 50-50 on it. And then one day I read some stuff from, an old, from a paper written back in the 1960s by somebody from NICAP about Roswell. And it's informa- it statistical and research information mm-hmm. that you never hear about on television, never, ever hear about. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was a smoking gun. And I said, wow, because I didn't even put very much credit into Roswell. I thought it was, bl- I thought it was misinformation campaign mm-hmm. for years. Uh, And it wasn't until I read that book that I had that I had any concept of how much activity was going on. Uh, They had sightings in 38 states going on and there were clusters. And uh, it was a huge it was a huge deal. And it was started long before Ros, weeks before Roswell, and weeks before Ken Arnold, you know. And that's what that's what got me thinking. Maybe this there is something to all of this. Maybe there is even something to Roswell. Up until that point, I didn't even really believe Roswell ever happened.
0: The fact that Roswell has been turned into a circus for a week each and every year, doesn't that also take away from the credibility of anything that is left of the Roswell case? I think it does. The fact that Jesse Marcel broke protocol by bringing evidence to his family and letting his family... Touch and play with this alleged evidence that he took from the Brazel farm instead of following proper protocol and taking it from the Brazel farm directly back to the base. Doesn't that also kill the story?
1: Oh, I don't know. Now, come really on, you're, you're a former member of uh, the uh, military. What would you do in that situation? Would you follow protocol? Yes,
0: I would. I'm a former police officer. You're damn right I would. Okay. All right. I follow you, Drift. And you break the chain of evidence. You don't have a case agreed agreed and if
1: it was military evidence uh, I come from that background in the Air Force right uh, so uh, yeah I agree with you you wouldn't break the chain of exactly thing and exactly. he did break protocol in that context yeah I don't know if Roswell's the real thing or not I've seen evidence to suggest it that's all I can talk to I think what bothers me is that as you said some of these Hollywood all these upper cable channel type programs, a lot of them start out and say, well, it all starts with Roswell. Yeah. No, it doesn't. And they're telling a very, very slanted story. And there's a, a lot more activity, a lot more things that have been going on long before Roswell. And I think that's what torques me off more than anything else is that the, is they're not telling the whole story. They're telling in the part that they want, they want to publicize and the part they want to talk up. And that makes me suspicious.
0: Do you think there's any way that credibility can be restored within the UFO community, especially with what's gone on with MUFON over the last couple of weeks with the, with the slanderous remarks that, uh, that have been coming from Inner Circle members as well as the fact that Jan Harzan refuses to do anything about it? Uh,
1: <laughs> that's a tough one. That is a tough one. Um, right now, MUFON and New Fork are the only real... There's a couple other smaller mm-hmm. groups of people out there who are doing investigations, but right now they're the only ones that are out there doing any serious uh, investigations. But then again, you got to throw the, the you got to throw another thing at them and say, uh, Jesus, they, they they used to be serious about the investigations. These days, they only seem to be interested in money. Yeah,
0: that's and, right. To and a, now,
1: I know you got to have money to run an organization, but I mean, this is getting a little ridiculous, you know. Yeah.
0: Well, we've got we've come to the end of this hour. Cheryl, I want to thank you so much uh, for for coming on the show and XO Nation, If you'd like to get a copy of Cheryl and Linda's book, it's entitled UFO Sighting Desk Reference, United States of America. It is available on Amazon.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour, as once again we return here in the Exxon to where a place is well. This is a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. But if you believe, come here with facts. Just don't write a book, throw some statistics in it, without vetting them, without having the book verified through by someone who does analytical, you know, analytical, mathematical uh, surveys and statistics for a profession. Don't expect people to buy everything that you're selling. I'll be back on the other side of this break. Whatever you do, don't go away.
1: Mountain Dew. We'd like to remind you, you gotta know what's important and what's not important. Knowing how to tie a tie, not important. Keeping a diary, not important. Trying all the different bold flavors of Mountain Dew, important. Experience the boldest flavors on earth. Do the do. Here at Mountain Dew, we'd like to remind you, you gotta know what's important and what's not important. Knowing how to tie a tie, not important. Keeping a diary, not important. Trying all the different bold flavors of Mountain Dew, important. Experience the boldest flavors
0: on earth. Do the Dew. At Mountain Dew, we'd like to recognize the number zero for making Mountain Dew Zero Sugar possible. You have no reason not to try it, as in zero. Get it? Crack open an ice-cold Mountain Dew Zero Sugar. It's zero
1: sugar, all do.